All right, so really love the worship part of every service. You know, it's just amazing sitting there trying to collect your thoughts, trying to think, you know, how can I get this to where it can be, reaching out to people. And what you see in that music, the worship coming from that is a prayer that, you know, I don't really have to do anything because, you know, we ask, start off by asking God to speak to his glory just through music. And, you know, I really appreciate that. So one of the things that that song says is, speak to us through your word. So I'll show you Matthew 6. Pray then like this. This is Jesus talking. He said, how, how do we pray, Lord? How do we pray? It says, and everybody can say this with me, okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, one of the things we find out um, is the devil is into the long game in our lives. You know, we, we have chaos from time to time in prayer. But one of the things that we've mentioned recently in one of the sermons is the devil is into the long game. So, uh, to... How do we overcome that? And it's through prayer, and it's through God's Word, okay? <clears throat> so our sermon series that we've got going on right now is called My Last Sermon. So, like, if I was, this is the last time you were going to put up with me and let me preach to y'all, what would I have to say? Though it's interesting, you're going to hear from me two more times, so I'm not sure what my two last sermons are going to be. <laughs> I think what I'll do is, one of those at least, what's the last sermon, if I needed a sermon, what's the last one I would like to hear? And then maybe somebody can come up with a good idea for what your last sermon would be. Boy, will help me out on that one. But it is kind of weird that Chris and I are doing these along with Nettie Winters, and the title is My Last Sermon. But, so, anyway, so we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So, in all the time that I've been sitting here both as a deacon and an elder, I sit in these, these meetings where we pray over you guys and pray for each other. And one of the things that, that in my mind sticks out that I would like to relate to everybody is the issue of forgiveness. Um, I think that's a real thing. And whether it be what's going on in London with the uh, terrorist acts that we had just in last evening or early this morning, where they came and tried to blow up London Bridge, or the ones um, at the concert last week. I mean, it's, it's total chaos. And, and really where a lot of that comes from is thousands of years of lack of forgiveness, really, if it comes down to it. And like I said in the beginning, the devil is into the long game. Now, the, the video we watched talks about Covenants that have been made between God and people over the years. And now we're talking about the new covenant and this guy named Jesus. So a lot, a lot of us would like to talk that when you think of Jesus, you think of the baby Jesus at Christmas or the, the Jesus that's, at, that's in that picture right there. The one we want to talk about is the one that's nailed to that cross right there. The bloody man with the hands out and the feet out with nails through his bone and flesh into the cross, crown of thorns on his head, spit on down the 
down the trail to the cross, and then the mistreatment of him with the vinegar and, and stabbing with the spear, all that to fulfill Old Testament prophecy, which, you know, we look at the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is Old Testament revealed, okay? So, we're, we're going to talk about forgiveness. So I'm going to go through briefly, real quick, you don't have to look these up, just follow with me on the slides, and we're going to go through a progression here to see if we can, if we can get from point A of this video, which is, we have this new covenant with a guy named Jesus, and what's important about that, from my point of view. So I'm a teacher, I like to say this, I'm a teacher, I'm not a preacher, that's my responsibility here as an elder, and so I, I try to go along that route. So, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven times. Okay, so what we're seeing is this progression of forgiveness coming from Jesus. Now we start getting the real sticky parts of this, okay? says, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will, you forgive your, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, that's a real kind of sticky thing that says, you know, if somebody basically commits a sin against you, if you don't forgive them for that, then the Lord. I mean, we're getting a little more, a little more sticky as we go along. For I forgive. For if I forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But I say to you here, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Okay. So what is what is a debt or what is a trespass? A lot a lot of guys explain it this way. If I'm going to Boyd's house for dinner and I run over his mailbox. Okay? And I knock it to the ground. He spent a lot of his personal time, thousands of dollars, making this big, beautiful brick thing and all this stuff. And I'm backing out, and I back right over it. So that, you know, he spent all his labor, whatever that's worth. You know, he's in business, so I would say probably $500 to me, probably 1000 to him. We'll make a little profit. But... Um, $2,000 worth of material. So that's $3,000 to fix that mailbox. Okay? And he, let's say I just forgot to mention to it. I drove off. The next day he's looking and sees, 
I'm the only one that drives a red pickup out here in the parking lot, so it's not too hard to tell red paint all over it and that it's me that backed over it. So that is suddenly becomes a debt. In that case, $3,000, okay? Or a trespass, which, whichever way you want to call it. The same word in, in, uh, in Aramaic is the same word for either trespass or debt. It's basically an offense. Um, so somebody's, for him to have his mailbox back, somebody's got to pay for that, okay? It's either me or him, okay? So let's say, hey, I didn't back over your mailbox. I, I don't have any, I didn't have anything to do with that. And obviously it was me because everybody can tell by just looking at it that I'm the one who ran over it. And so I am, the word we look for is repentant. I am not repentant of that sin even though I knew well it was me that did that. So Boyd has to either pay for the mailbox to have it fixed himself or I've got to pay it. Somebody's got to pay that debt, okay? So when we're getting to, in the, under the new covenant, covenant, when we're getting from point A to point B, in order for us to get that fellowship with Jesus, there's a debt that has to pay. And that debt is a trespass or what we call sin. We have to somehow remove that sin from our lives in order to get from point A to point B. So for Boyd and I to get from point A to point B, either I've got to pay something or he has to forgive me for knocking down his mailbox and then he has to pay for it. So when we're talking about the relationship that Jesus has with us in point A to point B, the debt, trespass, sin, you know, calling sin a, a equal to knocked off mailbox is a little bit of a stretch, but it's just an example to see Somebody's got to pay for that, okay? Under the new covenant, the way that it, it's paid for us is that, um, so let's say for, for him, if he decides he wants to pay the mailbox, he wants to pay for himself, he wants to forgive me of my debt to him, then he has to absorb that debt. Somebody's got to pay. So in his case, he has to pay. Now, in order for that to be real forgiveness, he has to let it go. And so, let, letting go, if he's decided, you know, he's going to do this for me, he's going to pay, pay for his own mailbox, and he's going to wipe that debt clean. That's the real tricky part of forgiveness, is wiping that debt free. So the way God has done it for us, God is a uh, very just, and he loves us and he wants to forgive us for sins we commit, just like you see all the dying trees on that video. How did he make that happen? Well, under the old covenant, it was blood. You slaughtered animals, and it always required a blood sacrifice. So for our sins to be forgiven, we have a blood sacrifice, which is a guy who's nailed on the cross, okay? And that God... Pay, our debt of our trespasses against God have been paid by Jesus, and God then forgets those sins, okay? So it takes a little more, you know, I can stand here and say all that stuff to y'all, but it takes a little bit more for you to, like, figure out how to do that in your own lives and how to do that for each other, because that's the big picture 
but how does it affect us on our everyday daily lives? So there's a story in the Bible. Wait, let's have the next one. Oh, so let's go back to that one for just one second. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful to, and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, so if we, if I was to say, I didn't run over your mailbox, it's all on your own, and he says, well, you did, and I'm not going to forgive you, there's a couple of really good verses up there that say that we're both, both of us basically have no relationship with God whatsoever, from both sides, okay, go to the next one, so this is a parable that, that Jesus told, and to set this up, the way that uh, in, in the Holy Land, the way that rooms are set up, is there would be a house, and it's a big square like this building right here, where along the edges would be rooms, and in the middle would be a courtyard with a table. And when they go to, to eat, you lay down on your left elbow facing the, the table, and you eat with your right hand, your feet are sticking out the back. Because they considered feet to be unclean in, in these days, which walking around in Jesus' sandals in the, in the dirt and stuff would, would make your feet unclean. Now, when you're a guest, and so he, Simon has invited Jesus into his house for a meal. It's like a social event. It's just like we have uh, B-group studies here. They invite the people in to, to talk and to have fellowship and just be just like that in our, in our community. And so they're laying there. Well, Simon, being a Pharisee, he, when he invited Jesus in his house, he did nothing for him because he didn't believe in Jesus. He thought Jesus was a bad person. And that normal guest things you get when you walk into somebody's house, you come off the street, they want to clean your feet. Uh, they sometimes put all, olive oil on their head. Well, he came in, did nothing. Just laid down. So now, because this is a social event around town, they open up all the windows and doors all around the room, and the people come in, and they uh, can watch as, pe- as these important people are having, having dinner. Okay? So one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner... Okay. So that's the people that are kind of gathering around, kind of seeing what's happening. They're welcome to come in. They're not allowed to come to the table, but they come in. And so this woman walks in off the street and sees Jesus. And so in this time, when you identified some, a woman as a sinner, most likely it meant something really, really bad. Okay? See, so she was either a prostitute or had, had a husband that was a really bad guy. And so women... If the husband was a sinner, women would also be identified with that. Okay. When she learned that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of wine, of ointment, sorry. And behind him, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with, his, with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. So... 
Here's a woman that comes in that's obviously a sinner, walks up to this table. So you're not, when you're coming in here, you're not supposed to go beyond the, the doors, the inner doors of the house. She just walks up there, unashamed, walks up. And she lets down her hair. In this time, women were only allowed to let their hair down for one person, which was their husband. Okay? So this is a really big deal that she takes her hair and lets it down. She washes his feet, and she's crying, weeping, and his feet, washing his feet and wiping her hair. And that's a big deal. All these people at the table would be going, what in the world is going on here? Okay? So now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who is touching him. For she is a sinner. He should have known, right? He should have drew up his feet or whatever. But he wants to use this as an example. Go ahead. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, answer Say it, teacher. So this guy didn't really believe this is a teacher, so he's kind of being sarcastic here. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, which a denarii is a one day's worth of uh, wages in, those, in that time period. Okay? Uh, and the other 50, when they could not pay, when they could not pay he canceled the debt of, of both. Now which of them will love him more? Which do y'all think it is? The one that owns the less or the one that owns the, the more money? It's probably going to be the one that's the more money. Right? So go ahead to the next one. Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said unto him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, and for the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss, kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has appointed, anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There's another example of the guys who lower their paralyzed friend down from the ceiling when Jesus is speaking. They just knock a hole in the room. They drop him down. And Jesus also says, your sins are forgiven. And the, the guys are with this same kind of attitude. They said, who, who are you to forgive sins? And he says, okay, well, what do you think? Is it harder to make a paralyzed man walk or to forgive his sins? Well, if I, if I went to Neil and said, hey, man, your sins are forgiven. He'd go, that dude is off his rocker. Okay? <laughs> but if I came up and they laid a lame person here and I healed them and then said, your sins are forgiven, then you might go, something is supernatural about this. Nothing supernatural here, not, but there is about that. The whole point is getting from point A to point B, seeing that Jesus is the one that can forgive our sins. Okay, so um, 
how do we... The, we sort of have the same... You know, the thing I love about the Bible is over the 2,000 years from the, from the New Testament, from the time of Jesus... Um, the more things change, the more the things stay the same. The Bible is just as important to us now and it's realistic in our lives as it was then. One of the things about our church, and I'm not talking about this church in general, but the big church, um, is it, it's made up by a lot of cultural diversity, Okay. There's been a move over the last several years to move in t- more and more towards this, what we call individual spirituality versus the um, community sort of traditional church. Okay? People in the community traditional church, for lack of a better word, are not very touchy-feely. They don't want to know what the other people, what their problems are. They just want to be sure that when you come to church, you're wearing the, your shirt is buttoned, and that you're wearing the right kind of outfit to be here and that it's appropriate, okay? Flip over to that are the people that are strongly individual spiritually, which means they don't care what you wear, they don't care how you act, but they just want to know that you care about them and you care about their troubles, okay? So what we're doing, just like at this table here, is we're putting people together that are quite different, okay? But they have one thing in common. What is it? What do y'all y'all have in common being here? You might have different jobs, different styles of dress, whatever. We all have in this room one thing in common, which is we all are here for Christianity and, and belief in Jesus Christ. Okay. So now you're taking this uh, group and putting them together. And you might find your church that suits your style, but we're all going to be different in some way or another. So... Now we take people that are totally way different and you put them in a family together. What happens to those people? My own family. I, I mean, I, I've got two kids that are as far left liberal as you can possibly get. And I've got a couple that are, that are very conservative. And sitting down at dinner to have a conversation can be interesting every once in a while. I mean, my daughter cried for like four hours because... Hillary didn't win, and she thought her life as a woman was over, okay? So now you can correlate that to what we're talking about now. Even not forgiveness, but there is a way to, to get there through Jesus, okay? So this idea of when we have trouble with one another is a radical idea of how do we forgive, okay? Muslims, Christians, I don't think that idea of forgiveness, at least from this side, is going to ever happen. Okay? But we in this room, that's the basis of our Christianity is getting from point A to point B is through forgiveness. Forgiveness of us, of our sins, so that we can have that uh, long life coming out through revelations. But also within this room and within our families, our marriages and those kind of things. Okay? So it's a very radical idea. But how do we get there? We get there by modeling Christ in our lives. And what would, what would Christ do? Okay? Um, so forgiveness is, is 
in the case of the mailbox, is something that you've got to, somebody's got to pay that debt. And when you pay the debt, it is very costly on you, okay? So I'm going I'm to tell this story in my own life. So we've talked about that, talked about the cross. And in my own life, there are times that you come along that you have to somehow either show you're a Christian, decide you're a Christian, or not. Okay, there are crossroads in your life. Like the young girl that was up in the high school up in Colorado, guy came up, said, are you a Christian? And she said, yes, I am. And he went, what? Boom. Okay. There are times in our lives where we're going to cross that bridge. Okay, for me, it was several years ago. Um, I had son who just graduated college, and he had married his high school girlfriend. They dated all through high school. They got married, married all through college. So right, at, right after graduation, she decided that she wanted to leave him and be, be with somebody else. Okay? So he called me and said, Dad, I want to come live with you. And I said, well, what's the status of your marriage? I said, well, we're still trying to work that out and haven't quite, haven't quite figured out what, where it's going to go from here. And my response was, you need to stay there. So this, he lived in Lubbock, Texas, which is 600 miles from here. So there's no way you can work on your marriage if you're in Jackson, Mississippi. So I think it's a really bad idea. Okay. So he continues uh, there, working on his marriage. She kind of comes back, and um, they date the whole week. He goes out. He buys a new guitar. He renews his gym membership. They go out this week of Valentine's. They go out to dinner on Valentine's evening as as a couple, trying to reconcile their marriage. And on... Friday, um, their whole week spent together every day, she walks in and says, I've decided that I want to choose the other guy instead of you. It's been fun, but I'm moving on. Earlier in that day, he'd been out pistol shooting with his pistol. laying there on the table. He picked it up, and he shot himself in the head. So... Um, get this call, all this stuff. A lot of my family here in this church was there with me when, when all that came. So we all get together. We fly out to, to Lubbock. And when we get there, we're having a family meeting that evening. And my oldest daughter says to me, we, we ha- I have to know how you're going to react to Trey's wife when you see her, because she's going to obviously be here this weekend. How are you going to treat her, and how are you going to act? There are times in your life where you have to truly decide if you're a Christian or not, and that you're going to model those to God, to Jesus, to your family, and to yourself. Okay? So... At that moment, it just came to me 
this issue of forgiveness, okay? So it's, it's a little more convoluted than you would think, okay? So who's the first person that has to be forgiven in that picture? Well, you would think it'd have to be me because maybe if I'd have told him that he could have come out and stayed with me, I could have prevented that from happening. So first of all, I have to forgive myself, Second thing is, is her part in all the things. You could have said, well, this is your fault. You set him up for all this. And it's a compulsive act. It's your fault he did it. It's easy to say that. I have friends that their children died 10 years ago in car accidents or whatever. They, to this day, are still devastated. They cannot move along with their life because of that. Okay? So the decision for me was very easy. I, I have to believe everything that is taught to me in this church and from all y'all while I'm here and the B groups and John Hughes' teachings, Chris's teachings, everything we learn from this place right here comes down to those moments in your life. And you have to Either show your faith or run, okay? So it was an easy decision for me to, to forgive. Now, that's a debt that somebody's got to pay. Either I have to pay it, my family has to pay it, she has to pay it, or whatever. So one of the things you can do is you can be mean to her, you know, cordial. How you doing, Neil? Everything all right in your world? And you can just be as mad as him forever. I go over here to Moody and go, Moody, you know what Neil did? Yeah, yeah, did. So one of the things that's coming up in our world is this thing called bullying. Okay? Where do bullies get that and where do they get their power from? Okay? They get bullying from basically they get bullied. They get put down for whatever reason, okay? And then they feel like they have a debt to pay to somebody else. So they start paying it off to another kid. or It doesn't have to be a kid. It can be somebody, you know, in our everyday working world. They want to pay that debt, pay it forward. They can't do anything to this person, but they can pick somebody else. So how do we, if our self-esteem is down to here and we feel like we've got to pay something else, there's two ways you can do that. You can try to bring yourself up by forgiving the other person. Or you can try to, to do the things that we're taught and, and being like Jesus and lifting ourselves up. Or we can lift the other person up and as we do that, we start to rise. But paying it to the other person, what you do is you bring the other person down to where you are. And so now it becomes this cycle on and on and on just like we're seeing in the the terrorist thing right now. It's just this cycle that keeps, it's just getting paid, paid, paid down the line. So we have to figure out how we can do that. And the way that Christianity is so different than other religions and other communities is this issue of forgiveness. And it's got to start in this room. You know, if I do something to offend Ben... There, 
the, the society model says he's going to do something to get me back. Okay? The Christian model says what? That he should come to me two ways, right? He should come to me and tell me that he's been offended. And then all, it's all about relationship, whether it's our relationship to God or my relationship to him, that he comes to me and tells me, hey, you offended me. Very difficult, okay? Or if I say, man, there's no way I offended you. Get lost. I'm taking you down. You know, you're a scumbag, whatever. So I'm not, I'm not insinuating that. I'm just using an example. Um, and he says, look, man, that guy didn't really respond to me too, too well. So he might get moody to come with him, and then they talk to me about that. Okay? When we're doing that with one another, using Christ's teachings, what is, that we're, what is the spirit of that we're doing that in? It's not, you know, those two guys against me. What is it? It's love, okay? So when you love somebody in a community, you cannot, you have to confront them, but it's not the confrontation like I had with a guy, Mason threw a kid in the pool. He had his cell phone in his pocket after the kid took his check and ran off. They were horsing around. Well, the kid had his cell phone in the pocket, and it ruined the cell phone. Well, the guy called me up, or I called him, said, hey, man, I hear you're talking bad about me all over town because I'm a bad father because my, one of my boys threw your son in the pool with a cell phone. So I just want to see if we can work this out. And he just began to curse me to no end over the telephone. Like, you can't imagine. I was like, wow, that's interesting. I said, you know, if you're going to take that route, your son's a felon for stealing my son, son's check and running off with it. Boy, that really got him stirred up. <laughs> but the fact was, he didn't know the two sides of the thing. And he just, like, I'll see you in court and blah, 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 and bam. Good Christian guy. I won't tell you what he does, but he does something that's very valuable that we buy at this church from him. Guess who makes the decisions, part of them, of what we purchase out of this church? As head, at that time, I was head of the deacon committee. I don't, you know, I go to these other guys and say, look, I have no business being involved in those decisions because I don't hold animosity to those guys. I don't think it's fair for me to have anything to do with that decision because it's not right. That's forgiveness. Somebody has to pay that debt. I absorb it on myself. Okay? So there, I hope I'm beginning to kind of show you ways that we're moving along. I want to read a quote from D.A. Carson that I think really helps kind of, kind of tie this together. It talks about why there are relationship problems in the church and why it's uh, inevitable because of the community that we are, because this is a supernatural community. The reason there are so many exhortations in the New Testament for Christians to love other Christians is because the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It is made up of natural enemies. 
What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything else of that sort. The things that bind most people together. Christians come together not because they form a natural, uh, natural group, but because they have all been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. In this light, we are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. That is the only reason why John 13, 34 through 35 makes sense when Jesus says, A new command I give you. Love you one another as I have loved you. Christian love will stand out and bear witness to Jesus because it is, it is a display for Jesus' sake of mutual love among social incompatibles. Okay? So, where we're going to get from point A to point B is as a community. And that's why when we're doing Connect, I like people to actually connect to one another, find out what's happening with you. We've had some really tragic things happen in this church in just a short time period. Cancer, deaths, not only, not only my son, which this community was an incredibly important part of, but also the funeral we had yesterday, you know, one of our dear friends. You know. The only way this works is if we look to Jesus and the love of Jesus and even though, you know, we want to be like the woman who comes and actually loves Jesus, how did we say earlier that the only way you can show love to God is through forgiveness and being like Jesus and acting like that versus the Pharisee in our, in our verse here. So, this, you know, this being my last sermon, um, I, I just felt, you know, when I sit in these, in these uh, elder meetings, a lot of the time, that's the thing that weighs heavily on us, is relationships. And we went through a season where I felt like I needed to vomit in the trash can every time I was in the middle of a meeting. And we're moving beyond that. We're taking the next step on, at, on the gospel is where we are in this church. If it's no longer a so much a social community, but a loving Christian community. Um, you know, the, the social communities at River Hills or work or whatever for you, this is what we want to be, a gospel-centered life. And this is my small contribution. Thanks. Dear Heavenly Father, we take, thank you for this time together. We know you're an awesome God, just as in the worship music earlier on, that this is the life we have to follow Christ. It, you know, to me, is the only option for life and how to live your life and how to be example to other people. And I just thank you for that, Lord. We just thank you for this time and safety that we have here that our brothers around the world don't often have that. We just thank you so much for coming to us with your Holy Spirit and guidance in our lives and wisdom. We just ask you continue to push us along, Lord, and Continue to guide us and direct us toward that ultimate goal. Just thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for Jesus and all he means to us. In your name we pray, amen.